0: Welcome to Ask a Broker, Episode 9. I'm your host, Scott Peckford. This is the show where Dustin Woodhouse and I answer your mortgage brokering questions. Whether you have questions on how to build or grow your mortgage business, this is the show for you. Here's how it works. Go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash ask, record a question, and if we answer it on the show, we'll send you a swanky new I Love Mortgage Brokering t-shirt, courtesy of Lendesk. Today on the show, Brent Shepherd asks, when should you incorporate as a mortgage broker? Is there a certain dollar amount? Is there a certain time period? Dustin and I dive into this question and Dustin has given this a lot of thought and has some excellent thoughts around it. So I think you're really gonna enjoy it. Before we get started, I wanna thank today's sponsor. Ask a Broker is sponsored by Lendesk. Lendesk is a mortgage technology company based out of Vancouver that has built an origination platform specifically for Canadian brokers. Lendesk removes the headache of assembling an application with your client. Think of it as the ultimate CRM and deal management tool. They're pre-launch, but I'm helping them refine the platform, and I can tell you it looks awesome. If you'd like to get early access with me, sign up at lendesk.com to stay in the loop. As for the cost, let's just say it's going to be an easy decision. This is going to be a game changer. Hey, Dustin. Welcome to the show. Morning, Scott. How are you? Good. Hey, I have a question for you. So if you could have played any professional sport, which one would it have been and why? Imagine if you could have selected your gene pool and your parents. I'm just curious. I would have been a pro skateboarder. Skate, why skateboarding? I mean, I don't, can't see that being like a huge money sport. Maybe it is, but... Well, yeah, neither did my dad,
1: and that's why he harassed me to stop playing with that toy. But uh, I don't know. looked like it worked out okay for some of those guys that stuck with it.
0: Right, like Tony Hawk. and yeah, I mean,
1: I don't know that I would have pursued being a professional skateboarder per se, but uh, sticking close to that industry was is something that I, I look back and I wish I kind of had done.
0: Well, I'm going to make an even bigger leap. If I could have played any professional sport, I would have chosen NFL football, even though I do not have the size or physical stature that I need to do it. I would have just been so fun. And I know the average NFL player has like a three-year career. I mean, if you were being strategic, the best sport to pick is golf. If you could have been really good at golf, because you can play that for like 100 years, right? <laughs>
1: good point. Yeah, I think NFL, you got to be uh, basically Wolverine. You've got to have the skeleton made of steel, basically.
0: Yeah, and regenerate because you're just going to beat yourself up. But okay, let's get to our question today. So today we have Brent Shepard, and he asked a question about whether or not it makes sense to incorporate as a mortgage broker. And I know that in the past, you've had some really good conversations about this, but you had a blog post about it, and you have a quite a bit of thought put into it. So let's have a listen to the question, and then we'll jump into discussing it. Sounds good. Hi guys, this is Brent Shepard. I'm calling from North Vancouver, Mortgage Evolution, DLC franchise. I just had a question regarding incorporating your business. At what point does it make sense to, I guess, make the move from a sole proprietor into an incorporated business? And then maybe if you could touch on the pros and cons of incorporating, I would greatly appreciate that. Thanks guys. Take care. Bye. Okay. So Dustin, what's, what are your thoughts on should a mortgage broker consider incorporating? And actually, I'm not certain if this is possible in every province. I know that we're in BC. I think it's possible in most provinces, but I guess we'll, we'll talk from where we know best. And then you'd have to obviously apply it to your own provincial, you know, legislation.
1: Yeah, I believe it is possible in most, if not all provinces. And in BC, of course, we're limited. You must be a sub broker for two full years before you can become a designated individual, a full-fledged broker, so to speak. And only then can you incorporate. So I had to wait two years plus a day to incorporate. And that's what I did. Now to back up a little bit, I mean, I had the benefit of very very expensive accounting advice on a budget just uh, due to relationships from a very early age so i had a an incredibly intelligent accountant in my life in my teen years and when i started my own little business next thing i knew i was incorporated at the age of 19 so i've had a corporation for 25 years at this point and that corporation was laying in wait and like i say i'm the first moment I was able to submit the documents to incorporate to Ficom, I did. I did not hesitate. I didn't wait at all. But that's you know my story, and my story is a little more unique. So, in more generalized terms, the pros, the cons. At what point, uh, as Brent was asking, I still stand by what I said. At what point, as soon as you possibly can. Wouldn't have mattered whether I was doing two million, twenty million, fifty million in volume. I would have incorporated because the number one benefit that I think a broker gets from being incorporated relates to the psychology of money and maybe the psychology of, are they working a job? Is it managing a career or are they running a business? And I still run into lots of brokers whose commission checks are dropped right into their checking account, their regular old, you know, John Smith checking account. To me, that's problematic on a few fronts. At the very least, you should have a separate bank account so that you can keep your personal money separate from your gross business revenue. Not your commission. It's not your paycheck. It's your business's gross sales. And as they say, that mentality is really important to try and adopt. Um, you know, one of the number one reasons brokers don't like to spend money, and and we are. Notoriously, cheap in a lot of ways, you know you could have a million and a half dollar mortgage on the hook for a client that owns seven properties. I don't want to prepay for that appraisal. I'm not going to put two hundred and twenty or three hundred and twenty five dollars out there. So take, for example, the broker that has a million and a half dollar file in front of them, and the client maybe owns six other properties. So there's a vast amount of opportunity in there. But the broker doesn't want to prepay for a three, four, or five hundred dollar appraisal for that client. They don't want to make that investment in the relationship because, well, what if it doesn't complete? I'll wait until I get paid and then I'll put that money out. And like I say, if you look at your incoming commissions as gross business revenue, you should have a marketing budget of some kind. You should have various budgets and you should have money set aside for this. And psychologically it just becomes simpler to do when you're running the money through different accounts, and it's not quite in your personal account yet. And like I say, the bigger break to make is being incorporated, because then you truly have a corporation, and it has corporate bank accounts. And the big thing about that is how that money is taxed. And that is where things, I think, go off the rails a little bit, because a lot of people will ask this question of their accountant, And an accountant is looking at things through a different lens. I mean, most accountants are simply translators of your financial data to CRA. That's their job you know, as they see it a lot of times, not every accountant, but many certainly if you go to H and R block, you get what you pay for. They're there to file your taxes and that's it. They're not going to give you any advice. And they're certainly not thinking about the bigger picture. So, we'll get into the bigger picture here in a moment, but at the very least, you know, the, the, the most common answer given by accountants is when you have all the money you need to meet your daily expenses and there's extra money left over, that's when you should look at incorporating. And I've heard that answer given by a few different accountants in different conversations on this topic. And I think it's the world's worst answer because I don't, Care if you're making a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand, a million, or ten million dollars a year. If you ask those four different people making those four different amounts how much money they have left over every year, you'd be surprised how few of those four will have anything left over because expenses expand to fill income allotted, same way work expands to fill time allotted. It's that same sort of concept. So People tend to live the life of somebody who makes about ten or twenty percent more than they actually make. Very rarely is any are any of us living a life of somebody who actually makes less than we make. So I think that's a problematic answer because most people are just gonna keep on expanding their expenses anyway. It's gonna be a long time before they hit a point where they have leftover money. Leftover money isn't, in my opinion, a real thing. Like it's a, it's not something that magically happens. You have to make leftover money happen in your life.
0: What is this magical thing called leftover money that you speak of? <laughs> yes,
1: exactly, right? Exactly. And you know, if that money hits your your personal bank account or your, your personal joint bank account, it's seen as money to spend. You know, it, it's it's money to fix problems in your life. Fix the problem of the car you're not happy with. Fix the problem of the home you're not happy with. Fix the problem of the closet you're not happy with. You sound like you've been talking to my wife. <laughs> well, I, I, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of myself. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd love to buy a new car. I want a fancier car, always. doesn't matter what car I have. I'd like a nicer one. I resist. You know, I drive my Ford F-150 and try and resist. And part of how I resist is I leave the money in my corporation because if I pull that money out into my personal account, I'm pushing myself into that much higher of a tax rate. And so you can become creative with how you move that money around, but the ultimate structure is not just to be incorporated, but also to have a holding company. And that is like a whole new level of savings account, because if you start moving money over into that holding company, you're only getting taxed at the small business rate, and that is the money that you use for the down payment to buy an investment property which every broker should be looking at because we know the business. We understand real estate. We should not be investing really. When you really think it through, you invest in what you know. And we should all be investing in real estate because we know it. And we've also seen hundreds or thousands of applicants' financial underwear and take a moment and just think about who the most successful people you've seen, you know, on applications, who the highest net worths are. Like, was that achieved? And almost every single time it's achieved through the accumulation of real estate. And so I go back to this incorporation philosophy because if you can, instead of saving money in your personal savings account that's been taxed at the highest rate, if you start accumulating money in that hold co, so you basically loan the money to the hold co from the operating company, you could theoretically purchase three properties with the same amount of money that would only allow you to purchase two properties if you pulled that money out at a personal tax rate. That's how much lower the tax rate is. And I don't wanna get into the specific numbers, but dear listener, you should. You should have a conversation with your accountant that includes a question about pulling $60,000 a year direct into your personal bank account, or incorporating, and then pulling a $60,000 dividend out of your corporation. Just get the math on that. So at $60,000 a year, I can tell you the difference is far greater than the cost of incorporating, far greater than the cost of running those financial statements each year. So at that level, at $60,000, you're already in the black. And if you have a partner that you can split that income with, you know, a life partner, then you're really laughing. Even at 60,000 again, you're wildly ahead of the game. So to say you need to make 100, 150, 200,000 a year before you incorporate is incredibly short sighted, in my opinion. And as you can tell, I could go on for
0: hours on this topic. So I'll maybe try and draw a line there. Well, I've been incorporated since I've been a broker for 10 years. I've been incorporated for eight. And for me, one of the big benefits is that you already mentioned is the fact that my wife and I are both shareholders of the company and we income split, essentially income split by paying both of us. And it's awesome. So if you're in that situation, talk to your accountant, but I highly recommend to look at it. And I love the idea of using a holding company to park the money no, this goes to another question though. So people are going to say, well, yeah, aren't holding companies hard to get mortgages for? We know this is a mortgage broker. So had you own rental properties and what are you kind of doing with those right now? You
1: know, the, the question of whether or not to hold rental properties in a hold co or in your personal name is, is always a, a hot topic. The short version is if you're going to hold that real estate for the long-term, long-term being defined as 10 years or longer. Uh, I think there are advantages to holding it in a holding company. And um our plan is that that is our pension. I mean, as far as I know, there's no pension program for brokers. Uh, as far as I know, our book of business does not hold the value uh, that a financial planner's book of business holds. So, You've got to create your own pension. I'm creating mine by way of accumulating rental properties that we're going to hold for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And then as far as the estate planning of transferring that portfolio properties to our children, again, much, much simpler if it's in a holding company because now we're just transferring share ownership, which there's no property transfer tax being triggered on. So there's definitely some upsides in long-term to holding real estate in a rental property. Now, as far as getting the mortgages done, you know, we actually wrote an offer on a property last night and I was getting ready to send it all over to a competitor who, you know, we all know of the institutions that are out there that can do 20% down triple A rates, no mortgage insurance premiums for hold co-clients. Brokers aren't the answer for every single mortgage scenario. And we are not the answer for the 20% down Hold Co. rental property buyer. We're not. And so, sadly, no, I would not be able to do my own mortgage on that uh, on my own purchase. But that's life. That's a, that's a tiny consideration.
0: This is like ice cream with your cake. So you got cake. We gave you the Hold Co. answer. And then you got the ice cream, which is the rental discussion. So awesome, man. Thanks so much. And anybody listening, you can check out askabroker.ca to leave a question for us. And thanks, Dustin. Thank you, Scott.